You're listening to the New Hope Baptist Church podcast. To learn more about New Hope, including our service times and events, please visit newhopebc.org. Today's message comes from Senior Pastor Reese Stenner. So here we go. We're starting a new series for the next four weeks. We're calling it Who's Invited to Thanksgiving? We've been in the life of David for some time. We went through family revolution, undefeated, Helpers on its way, good with people season one, then good with people season two. And so we're starting this new Thanksgiving season. I want us to think about four characters who we haven't engaged with yet in the story of David. And I want you to think about which one would you most enjoy inviting to Thanksgiving. Uh, We're gonna start off delightfully with Abigail, who became Queen Abigail. I think you're gonna want her at your Thanksgiving feast. In fact, you might even want her to be the caterer for it. Um, We'll read her story in a moment. Then Mephibosheth, who was an unfortunate and grumpy prince. Joab, the loyal but unscrupulous general, and then Barzillai, who did his best work on one day at the end of his life. Well, David ate with at least three of those characters, and the one we don't have reference to with David eating with Joab, hey, Joab was there right from the cave all the way through the palace. He covers an entire Bible book, so I'm sure Joab had a lot of feasts and festivals with David. And so we're gonna talk about Abigail this morning. Everyone say Abigail. Abigail is described as beautiful and wise. She's proactive and energetic. She's a leader. She's a brilliant caterer, a Proverbs 31 uh, woman. So no pressure, sisters, but I think we're gonna see that she's a story of grace. We're gonna see this brilliant woman in the midst of a catastrophic storm in her life. If someone's going through a hard time today, this will be a word for you maybe about how to maintain your poise and be proactive in a crisis. So let's turn to 1 Samuel chapter 25 and verse two, everybody. It's great to open the pages of scripture. Let me hear a bit of a rustling sound going on if you've got a, a copy like mine and you can swipe there as well silently. Okay, so here we go. 1 Samuel 25 verse two, it'll be on the screen. A certain man, in Maon, who had property there in Carmel. That's how they taught me to pronounce it. My guide in Israel says that Carmel, he was very wealthy. He had a thousand goats and 3,000 sheep. By the way, in today's world, that's like a multi, multi-millionaire, which he was shearing in Carmel. His name was Nabal, and his wife's name was Abigail. She was an intelligent and beautiful woman, But her husband was surly and mean in his dealings. He was a Calebite. I'm going to pause there and say almost certainly that is to do with Caleb, the great Bible character. So clearly Nabal could not blame his family heritage. Coming from the right family does not guarantee a spiritual maturity. If you've got a Christian parent, Christian grandparent, can I just say you can't get saved by proxy. You have to get saved yourself. And sometimes we've seen the most spiritual person can have a a child or a granddaughter who is grandson far away from the Lord. And so let's make sure we're living it ourselves. Chapter 25, verse 25, we'll come to that later. We're gonna see that Nabal literally means fool. And when we get to that, I pray that I will, I'm getting this out of the way, first of all. I come from a nation that's a very literary nation, as you know, from Chaucer to Shakespeare to Dickens to Jane Austen. They love to describe strange people. If you've ever read some of that stuff, you'll notice that. And they've got a lot of words, and therefore I got a lot of words to describe the fool. So I'm just kind of protecting myself. I pray that nothing will spill out right now. Anyway, so Nabal means fool, uh, which is really strange to think about. Like, was that his given name or did he kind of adopt the name because that's who he was? And so friends would go like, hey, fool. It's like, I would say, first of all, parents give your kids a good name. 
And if someone's going to get a nickname, make sure that they, it's something good that they can live up to. Anyway, does fool mean that he had a low IQ? Well, actually, we can see he's a very successful businessman. There are people with a low IQ who are not foolish. In fact, some of the wisest people I know don't impress on the Mensa scores. Um, they are sometimes the wisest. Do you agree with me on that one? They use what they have well. On university campuses today with allegedly high IQs, there are some great folks. Everyone say great folks. And there's a lot of folly as well, as you probably know. The fool says in his heart there is no God. The further a culture drifts from the ways of God, the more foolish it will become. But the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So first of all, we're going to see Nabal's nonsense. Next, David from verse 4 to 9 is in the wilderness. He hears that it's sheep shearing time. He sends 10 men to greet Nabal and requests some provisions for his men. David's message is polite. It's standard practice for the day. Uh, he mentions the past good treatment of Nabal's servants. However, verse 10, Nabal answered David's servants, who is this David? Who is this son of Jesse? Many servants are breaking away from their masters these days. Why should I take my bread and water and the meat I've slaughtered for my sears and give it to men coming from who knows where? This is Nabal's nonsense. He's completely misjudged the situation. Why? Because he's wrong-minded, he's surly, he's mean, he's selfish, he's stingy, paranoid, and I can give a whole few more British names to go with that as well. But he didn't obviously listen to the sermon about generosity, this man. Nabal misjudged good deeds. Maybe we sometimes don't realize that that person was trying to help us. They were trying to get through to us. They were trying to ask us, do you need any help? By the way, if someone asks you, if you've got an important ministry, you've got an important job, and someone asks you, do you need any help? Don't be offended by that. They're being wise. They may be God's gifts to you in that situation. Be kind to those who serve. Honor what your parents do. They're doing your best. Nabal refuses to honor those that worked hard in the Lord. Uh, those who worked with their hands, he did not honor and he insulted the Lord's anointed. Verse 12, let's read on. David's men turned around and went back. When they arrived, they reported every word. David said to his men, each of you strap on your sword. So they did, and David strapped on his as well. I put my hand like that as if I knew where to strap a sword. Anyway, so that looked, looked good. About 400 men went up with David while 200 stayed with the supplies. Can you sense this is an escalation? This thing's speeding up. It needs to slow down. When we act with that kind of speed, when we're angry, it's not always the wisest thing, amen? I'm gonna pause and just note everybody how relevant, by going through Bible passages like this, isn't it amazing how relevant it is to our life every day? The whole situation in the world right now, it's all here, everybody. And I wanna make this comment, which I believe is biblical and relevant for the situation in the Middle East right now. David rightly fought the Lord's battles. Say amen if you agree with me. He sought the Lord and the Lord told him what to do. He protected Israel. And there are just wars. This was not a just war in 1 Samuel 25. There is such a thing, but this was not one of them. This story is much more personal. It's more like a situation in the Sermon on the Mount where David is insulted and annoyed. Remember how Jesus said, if someone strikes you on the chin, strikes you on the cheek? Well, it's that kind of situation here in 1 Samuel chapter 25. He was just insulted. 
This was not a threat to Israel's territory. This was the Lord anointed just being annoyed by a foolish man. David has to watch that he doesn't step out of God's boundary. His sword is strapped on, but the grace of God is at work. So let's read on. Verse 14, one of the servants, everyone say servants. Don't you praise God in Scripture that there's always a servant? There's always a wise servant who kind of somehow, sometimes we know their name, sometimes we don't know their name, but I love it how often this appears in Scripture, there's a wise servant. One of the servants told Abigail, Nabal's wife, this is an official news report. David sent messengers from the wilderness to give our master his greetings, but he, that's Nabal, hurled insults at them. Yet these men, David's men, were very good to us. They did not mistreat us, and the whole time we were out in the fields near them, nothing was missing. Night and day they were a wall around us. The whole time we were herding our sheep near them. Now think it over and see what you can do. This is her advice now. Because disaster is hanging over our master and his whole household. He is such a wicked man that no one can talk to him. Way to go, servant. And Abigail listens We've noticed, first of all, Nabal's nonsense, and there's a lot of nonsense in this world today. Secondly, Abigail's actions. May God give us Abigail's. Let's see what she did. Verse 18, I love the first three words. Abigail acted quickly. She took 200 loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five dressed sheep. I sometimes imagine sheep kind of dressed up in human clothes. That's not what it actually means, but... Uh, five sears of roasted grain, a hundred cakes of raisins, and two hundred cakes of pressed figs, and loaded them on the donkeys. Then she told her servants, go on ahead, I'll follow you. So notice the food went first, but she did not tell her husband Nabal. Why? Because his, na- his name is Nabal, and fools mock at making amends for sin. Verse 20, as she came riding a donkey into a mountain ravine, just picture the scene, everyone, there were David and his men descending to water, and she met them. David had just said, so camera shot over to David. It's been useless. All my watching over this fellow's property in the wilderness so that nothing of his was missing. He has paid me back evil for good. May God deal with David, be it ever so severely, if by morning I leave alive one male of all who belong to him. Camera cuts back to Abigail. When Abigail saw David, so he's just said that stuff, he's still angry and furious. When Abigail saw David, she quickly got off her donkey and bowed down before David with her face to the ground. She fell at his feet and said, pardon your servant, my Lord. Notice that Nabal had insulted David. What does Abigail say to the Lord's anointed? Pardon your servant, my Lord. And let me speak to you. Hear what your servant has to say. May God grant us entry into someone's life if we need to speak to them, that the door will open that we can speak. Verse 25, please pay no attention, my Lord, to this wicked man, Nabal. Have you noticed the recurring theme? He's just like his name. His name means fool and folly goes with him. And as for me, your servant, I did not see the men my Lord sent. And now, my Lord, as surely as the Lord your God lives and as you live, since, this is most incredible phrases now, since the Lord has kept you from bloodshed and from avenging yourself with your own hands, she's making that assumption, We're victorious here. The Lord has kept you from bloodshed and from avenging yourself with your hands. May your enemies and all who are intent on harming my Lord be like Nabal. And let this gift, which your servant has brought to my Lord, be given to the men who follow you. So not only does she restore the insult becomes a humble recognition of the Lord's anointed, she's also giving the provisions that Nabal should have given to David's men. She's actually factually and actually righting a wrong and putting it right. Can we praise God for what this woman is doing, everyone? Praise the Lord. We still got some more to go. 
Verse 28, please forgive your servant's presumption, such humility. The Lord your God will certainly make a lasting dynasty for my Lord, for you fight the Lord's battles and no wrongdoing will be found in you as long as you live, even though someone is pursuing you to take your life, that is Saul. The life of my Lord will be bound, and there's a beautiful Hebraic phrase here, the life of my Lord will be bound securely in the bundle of the living by the Lord your God, but the lives of your enemies he will hurl away as from the pocket of a sling. That's the the sound that a sling makes, by the way. I had to go to theological college to know how to do that. Okay. When the Lord has fulfilled for my Lord every good thing he promised concerning him. Actually, friends, this is what it's all about. It's about the promises of God. It's about God's greater purposes for the kingdom. When he's fulfilled for my Lord every good thing he's promised concerning him and has appointed him ruler over Israel, my Lord will not have on his conscience the staggering burden of needless bloodshed or of having avenged himself. And when the Lord your God has brought my servant success, remember your servant. Let's give God praise for the most remarkable speech there from Abigail. Nabal's nonsense. Plenty uh, can be like Nabal. We've all been like him. Abigail's actions, may the Lord use us and give us that same wisdom. And then finally, David's delight. David said to Abigail, and this is where it all changes, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel. The last thing David said was, of course, murderous threats against Nabal. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, who was sent You today to meet me, may you be blessed for your good judgment and for keeping me from bloodshed this day and from avenging myself with my own hands. Otherwise, as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, who has kept me from harming you, if you had not come quickly to meet me, not one male belonging to Nabal would have been left alive by daybreak. Then David accepted from her hand what she'd brought him and said, go home in peace. I've heard your words and granted your request camera shot changes. Abigail goes back home. When Abigail went to Nabal, he was in the house holding a banquet like that of a king. He was in high spirits and very drunk. And by the way, I want to pause just there and say this. Most of the Bible references about people using alcohol are negative. Everyone say the word negative. Now, I know there's that bit about Jesus turning water into wine, which was actually a sign of the inbreaking of God's kingdom. It was not really about wine. It was about the inbreaking of the kingdom of God. Amen? And I know that there are those things, and we're not a super legalistic church, but we are a church that counsels that most of the references in Scripture to alcohol are negative references. And I encourage you, when you read the Bible, you'll see it, it appears again and again and again. And here it is. It doesn't lead to good things. Amen? I got one amen. I thought we were a Baptist church. I thought we're standing on the shoulders of the greats who've gone before us. You got like the only Baptist in Britain who was teetotal, by the way, as your pastor. God knows how to do stuff, amen. Verse 37, then in the morning when Nabal was sober, everyone say sober. It's a word for somebody. His wife told him all these things and his heart failed him and he became like a stone. And about 10 days later, the Lord struck Nabal and he died. When David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, praise be to the Lord. (laughs) That's great, isn't it? I thought you'd like that. Who has upheld my cause 
against Nabal for treating me with contempt. And this is the heart of it. He has kept his servant from doing wrong and has brought Nabal's wrongdoing down on his own head. And then David sent word to Abigail asking her to become his wife. And to the reading of God's word, let's say more than one amen. Everyone say amen and amen. Praise the Lord one more time, everyone. Praise his name. So I know we spent a long time in this long story, and in the rest of the time we've got back, let's be really practical, roll up our sleeves, and think about how we can learn from this, because I think this is a learning passage. We can learn from Nabal how not to do it. Some people, by the way, they teach you how not to do it. Don't be offended them, just go like, that's how not to do it. Then we can learn, like David, how to change our minds when we're headed in the wrong direction. You may be a Christian, you may be a spiritual person, but you can sometimes, through emotion, through anger, through fear or frustration, you can find yourself heading in the wrong direction. We need to have the ability, by the grace of God, to turn ourselves around, repent by the grace of God, and get right. But we can also learn how to be super kingdom smart, like Abigail as well. She has a lot to teach us as well, perhaps the most to teach us in this passage. And so how do we get practical? How can we think about this? I think there are just two things really. First of all, there are things to avoid and there are things to add. Let's think about, first of all, those things that we can avoid in this passage. And I think for Nabal, it's pretty obvious. Please, my dear friend, and this is not in the official notes. You can always get our sermon notes from newhopebc.news and just says sermon notes on one of the tabs there. But this is a little bit extra for you. Here's the first thing. Being easily offended is not a good thing. We can see that from the story of Nabal. He was wrongly offended. He was offended when he didn't need to be offended. David was there to help him. But David was easily offended, actually, by a very foolish man. And so... Give me a wave if sometimes you've been offended by something. I'm hoping everyone will, will indicate this, even those in the back row as well. Sorry to wake you all up. Uh, they're in the back row there. There you go. So God bless you there. But it's like we can get offended. We can sometimes be not just offended, but easily offended. Offended in a way that we didn't need to be offended. But let's be honest, sometimes we are. And then we can misjudge good actions. Hey, they were there to help you. They were doing their best. Don't be offended by that. I know you told them not to do it. They just didn't have it in their brain and you know that it just happened. And so it's like, we can sometimes misjudge good actions. How about this one? Avoid inflammatory language. I mean, Nabal was really asking for it, really, wasn't he? You, you say to a warrior, you insult a warrior, he's gonna be strapping on his sword pretty soon. And so the question is, will David act like Nabal? David has been pursued and bullied by Saul. Will the one who was bullied end up being a bully himself? You know, we point the finger at everybody else. It's like, how do we do? So we've received an injustice, so therefore it's okay to give an injustice back, right? No, two wrongs don't make a right. And so will David repeat this pattern? And I suggest that one of the things that David needs to avoid here is, and this is a word for everyone here, avoid getting wound up by immature people. Avoid getting wound up by toxic people. A couple more amens as well. So I said last week, and I think this was the most quoted part of last week's sermon, uh, all the noise in church life, all the noise comes from the shallow end. You liked that one, didn't you? How about this? All the noise in our culture comes from the shallow end. Like the preacher said, argument weak here, shout louder. That's our culture today so much ignorant. So I'm just going to shout it out anyway because someone else shout. Why are you shouting? Well, they, start, they told me to. They gave me the sign. 
getting wound up by immature people. And, I, and here's where I'm going to be really personal with you right now. You may have noticed this as well. I hope not too much, but I'm getting pretty annoyed and wound up and angry at some of the nonsense in the world today. And when I got saved, we were told that like when, before Jesus comes back, it's going to be pretty bad. And I thought there'd be wars and rooms. But there's some things that have happened in a culture. I thought, I never thought. I never thought that it would be an argument as to whether a man is not a man or a woman is not a woman. I, I, mean, I mean, that's even beyond comprehension. And it's like, I didn't, there are some things I didn't think it would be that bad. Uh, some of the violence and the anger and the nastiness, it's acceptable. Hey, the Bible says, do not steal. So Marxism says it shouldn't be your property, it should all belong to the state. Because that's what, Marxism doesn't believe that you're allowed to own anything yourself personally. So everything belongs to the state. So therefore, it's a, we're allowed to go and ransack Walmarts and ransack Targets or whatever. Don't worry about Target being ransacked so much. That was just a joke. But it's like, no, 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 that, that's sin and it's wrong. And if you undermine the culture of um, people's possessions are actually the work of their hands. What you've earned and worked hard for, that belongs to you. Some, someone else is not allowed to come and steal it. And if you steal it from a corporation, you're actually stealing it from everybody and that joint is going to close down. And so how do we even get to some of that? And so I'm pretty angry about that stuff. And I sense that you are as well. But here's the thing. I'm angry about the papers and the politicians and the press secretaries. I'm angry about what's going on in the streets of London, that city where we went to university. I'm angry about what's going on in DC. I'm stunned at some of the spiritual blindness, but here's the thing. Pastor, man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God requires. It's not my job to preach when angry. I need to preach when reconciled with the Lord. I need to preach out of the fullness of the Holy Spirit, amen? And you know, you're applauding because it's about you as well. If we just get mad about stuff, uh, what's going to be the fruit of that? Man's, I'll say it again, man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God requires. So we've got to do it a different way. And yes, there are injustices and there are terrible things going on in the world today, but we do it according to the Word of God. We do it according to the Spirit of Jesus. And so I need the same thing that David needed to learn. I need the Spirit of God to come into my life and you. There are two birds that I love in Georgia that um, I think are very special. First of all, the uh, red cardinal. Give me a wave if you love the red cardinal. There's just something about that sound that he makes. And, and um, you know, they, in a winter time, suddenly you see this beautiful red in the middle of a tree where all the foliage is gone. He's like, there's my red cardinal. When I see the red cardinal, I go, blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. I need the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for the blood of Jesus. It cleanses me. And I love the dove. At least when you all are not shooting the dove. David needed restoration. He was going on his emotions. He was going on his offendedness. He was going to lead himself into big sin. And God rescued him because of the wisdom of Abigail. Let's give God praise one more time for Abigail. We should not run into unnecessary conflict, strapping on our swords. We should consider the unintended consequences or even better, make sure that we notice our conscience. Look at verse 31, everyone. Everyone say conscience. There used to be a time we talked about our conscience. When was the last time you heard someone talk about your conscience? It used to be like a, a real theme that we would talk about. Some of us grew up with the idea of Pinocchio and Jiminy Cricket. Do you remember Jiminy Cricket? Hey there, Pinocchio, you've got to stop doing that. And that was our conscience, right? Do you give me a wave if you know what I'm talking about. I've got some smiles coming back here. But it's like Jiminy Cricket was like a... That was like our conscience speaking. Well, of course, as Christians, we do have a God-given conscience. Romans tells us about that. But we also have the power of the Holy Spirit within us. 
so that when I say what I shouldn't say, the Holy Spirit says, you're a temple of the Holy Spirit. I don't say that. And if I'm angry about what's going on in the Middle East or angry about what's going on in Washington, D.C. or angry about what's going on in that store and my emotions are spilling over like that and I'm just feeling it inside, the Holy Spirit says, I don't feel like that because God is a God of order. God is a God of peace. The Holy Spirit uh, is a blessing to us. Uh, He's gentle. Have you noticed that? He's the dove. And so I need that characteristic of the dove in my life. And as I'm sharing my story, perhaps you're thinking of your own story. We need that transformation. There are lots of things that we need to avoid and the Holy Spirit will help you avoid them. But the Holy Spirit will also add to your life as well. Let's think about Abigail in closing. Let's think about what needs to be added into our life. The Holy Spirit will will help us avoid and the Holy Spirit will add to us. And our faith will be added to. Here's the first thing I want us to notice about Abigail. Prevention is better than cure. When Charles Spurgeon preached this passage in 1862 in London, he called this passage Preventing Grace. I just want to encourage you, my friends, that God has been working in my life and in your life, in our church life, with preventing grace. He's prevented us from getting into trouble. He's prevented you from falling into sin. Now, you may still fall into sin, but God shows us a way so that we don't have to fall into sin. God gave you a wise Christian parent. He gave you a good family group leader. He gave someone in your life that taught you how to read the Word. You've been given preventing grace. Thank God for those that He's put in your life. Maybe you can be an Abigail and you can prevent someone from falling into sin. Scripture says that we should restore those who have fallen. But if you can see, if there's a friend, you can see they're about to fall down the hill. They're about to to tip over. Their life's out of balance. If you've got a friend like that, then take the ministry of Abigail, and you can do this whether you're a male or a female, and you go to them. And and you try and lead them back from the danger that they're in. And it may even be that you're the one in danger today. And you need, maybe the Abigail is the preacher today, or what the worship leader has shared. Maybe it's someone around you, and it's like, they've been trying to communicate with you. You've got to stop doing that. May God grant us preventing grace in our church. In fact, I believe that the Lord has spared us from so many things, if only we knew. Can we give God praise for His providential preventing grace in the church? Self-control. Abigail teaches us self-control. This Thanksgiving season, when you're in that house and you've got that EGR, member of the family, extra grace required member of your family. They're in your family too, sister. And you're just about to say something. You're about to storm out of the house, strap on your swords. Abigail shows great wisdom, humbles herself. She doesn't do, no one's going to speak to my family like that. Well, someone was speaking about her family like that. They were going to kill the family. She prostrates herself, brings up the feast and says, you have the food. And she humbles herself, self-control. Hey, who needs a bit of self-control? Come on. Of course we do. Thank you for listening. Be sure to rate us and hit subscribe to hear more encouraging podcasts from New Hope Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at newhopebc.org.